Congratulations, you found it! This is a book podcast featuring books you will want to read. Recommended by people who are passionate about books. Maybe a little too passionate. Featuring Martha Steele, radio personality extraordinaire and queen of the volunteer librarians. Nicole Shaded, sports animal wrangler, shield maiden, and book warrior. And Vonnie Golden, healthcare billing diva, volunteer librarian, and book goddess. Together, slaying the dragons, catching serial killers, exploring history, space-time, and alternative realities. Searching for and finding book treasures every week. They are three book girls. <coughs> I think I'm getting sick, you guys. <laughs> Maybe I have Captain Trips. You know what Captain Trips is? No, I have no clue. Oh, it's the disease from the stand. Explain. I've never. We're talking about outbreaks tonight, you guys. Come on, get with it. <laughs> I have not read The Stand. Oh. I haven't read that one, but I when I was Googling the best outbreak books ever... The it's stand number one is at the top. Yeah. There's a reason for that. It's because it was so good. Mm-hmm. That really wasn't the book that I picked for tonight, but it is at the very top of my list of my favorite all-time books ever. Now, why, you ask? Why? Why? Why is that, Martha? I think it's because it's the first time that I ever really considered that the world might end when I read it. I mean, it, you, you, get rid of all of the all of the apocalyptic hoo-ha that the churches give you when you're a kid all right i'm talking about really end i'm talking about i'm reading this book and i'm thinking oh my gosh what would happen if a disease really wiped out 90 percent of the people on the planet like within a couple of weeks how would i survive would my immune system be able to do it and if so how would i do it it's like the walking dead Mm -hmm. but this was before all of that hype and everything yeah i mean i think this the way it starts out is so frightening and so real or at least it was for me stephen king for those of you who really don't know what i'm talking about the stand is by stephen king and it is a massive book Mm -hmm. massively hugely big but uh, very well worth it. And they did a miniseries on it, too. And I watched the miniseries, and usually I hate those things when they take in, they adapt one of my favorite books. And, yeah, I hated parts of it. But the very beginning was freaking brilliant because it starts out and you hear Blue Oyster Cult playing Don't Fear the Reaper. And the camera is panning through this government lab around the corners, and it, you see the Everybody in white coats, they're all dead. And it's just panning through this whole facility full of dead scientists. Mm-hmm. Hmm. But there's one guy, one guard on the outside that sees the alarm starting to go off and he goes, oh, crap. And he runs for it and he gets out of the facility. So this government created bug gets out with him. And that's what starts the pandemic, the plague And this guy spreads the thing all over the place. Of course, you know what it's like. It's because we have cars and, you know, planes and. Yeah. So he, the the story follows several different people who survive and their journey on how they all find each other. But the thing is, is that you end up with two factions at the end, the good and the bad. Mm Mm-hmm. And of course, they're against each other, and it gets kind of, kind of sci-fi, um, weird, 
towards the end with some magic and crap that goes on in it where some people might consider that a little not real. Yeah. Mm. You know, like in The Walking Dead, everything's pretty up and up. There's no magic going on. But Mm -hmm. The Stand does have a little bit of that. So you have to suspend your disbelief a little bit. But I love what they named the disease. They named it Captain Trips. (laughs) (laughs) So Captain Trips was killing everyone off. So anytime somebody gets sick around the radio station, I'm like, whoa, keep your Captain Trips to yourself. And they look at me like... (laughs) You're nuts. I have yeah. no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> Literary reference. <laughs> well, I kind of looked at you like you were nuts when you said that. I'm like, oh, I know. Well, now you know like, what it's from. Is that like a type of rum that I need to try? Uh, <laughs> Captain Trips will get you high tonight. Well, that's Captain Jack. That's Billy Joel. That's a whole other thing. Gosh. So anyway, The Stand has uh, some... In- Stephen King is a storyteller that has no equal. And you've heard me gush about this guy time and time again. But really, in this book, Mm -hmm. the storytelling is very brilliant. He does it right. I'm going to have to read that And if you really, really don't like the wordiness, go with the edited version that he put out with this publisher. And don't go with the uncut. Mm Mm-hmm. Just a recommendation for you there. Well, it's good to know there's two different versions. There is. Right? It, on the anniversary, I think it was a 10-year anniversary, they released his original edition. Because by that time, he was powerful enough to say, I want the original. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And they let him have it. Because yeah. <laughs> he sold a lot of books. <laughs> I'm not going to go into a lot of huge detail on that one, because I believe that there are a lot of people who already know about this book. Yeah. Yeah. And already will agree with the fact that it is one of the top outbreak books out there. Since that was our theme, I figured we should at least mention it since it's supposed to be the best. Mm-hmm. But I didn't want to focus the entire time on it because, you know, I want to give people something different to read, too. Well, right. Well, I haven't read The Stand. I... Well, so Okay, so The Stand is like it's a disease that's being spread. Right. That was created by the government. Mm-hmm. Right. So it's a man-made Yes. Disease. Yes. So other outbreak books are caused by a lot of different things. Right. Very true. Mm-hmm. So what was your other outbreak book caused by? Well, um, my other outbreak book was... Or is it a mystery? No, it's not a mystery. Okay. Um, it's a swine flu pandemic known as, known as the Georgia flu. Oh. So it's also a flu. Mm-hmm. Speaking of which... They just came up with another swine flu. It was on the news this morning. Oh, Don't tell me that. Wow, I had this man, original the one. The back of my neck just stood up. Holy crap. <laughs> you just said swine flu and they I'm, just... I'm telling you guys, that's what's going to do it in the end. It's going to be some kind of flu that just... Wipes everybody yep, out. The mass extinction And what event. was your second book called? Okay. The second book is called Station Eleven by Emily St. John Mandel. Now, I'm going to give you a bit of a... A caveat on this one, okay? It was, I really loved it the first time that I read it. Mm -hmm. And I loved it so much that I was trying to get, while my husband and son and I were on vacation, you know, because we drive a long way every summer. We go up to Wyoming to visit my family and being here in Oklahoma, that's a long drive. Mm -hmm. So I suggested that I pick the book and I'm like, oh, this is great. It's kind of like The Stand. And I was on and on about how great it was. And then we started listening to it. And it had some really slow spots in it because it goes back in time quite a bit. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And the meat of the story 
the stuff that I was really into that really, what I loved about it, they hated about it. Hmm. <laughs> well, not everybody likes the same books for the same reason. Right. And this is definitely not an action movie kind of book. It's right. not. Mm-hmm. It's a lot more about the relationships of the people, people involved. It's a lot more about the story of the people from beginning to end and how that affects the outcome. But you don't know it while you're reading it. Right. So you're you're reading stuff about letters exchanged by two people where you're not even really sure how they're connected at some points. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. I can't really give this book a five because of that. Yeah. Because of some of those issues, having listened to it a second time, mm-hmm. I can understand why they didn't like it. Uh. <laughs> it's a kind of a, I hate to say this, but kind of a girly book. For one thing, most of it takes place 20 years after the pandemic has passed. And most of it has a pretty positive spin because it focuses on a group of people, traveling minstrels, basically, musicians and actors who have banded together and they travel around to the different settlements and perform. Mm -hmm. Now to me, that is such a unique and different look at the post-apocalyptic world after this you know horrible thing happens they're actually showing you something positive right which after i read this book i felt good i was like man i believe in the in human survival and i was like (laughs) you know i was so excited um that i had read something that had a little obviously it had some pretty dang negative stuff in it well, had, yeah, end of the world kind of stuff. Yeah, I mean, it was yeah. pretty gory, and there was a, a, a messianic character who called the preacher who was the bad guy. And so there was definitely some pretty screwed up stuff that happened in it. Mm-hmm. But the whole idea that the good in people can survive mm-hmm. and thrive in a horrific situation in a horrible world. Oh, the other thing I liked about it. Um, there was at there were a bunch of people stranded at this one airport. Well, they created the one guy that was stranded there with them began creating a museum out of all of the objects that no longer worked, like cell phones, um, toasters, you know, stuff that worked <laughs> with electricity. Because he knew that twenty years from now he might have to explain these objects to children, right? Because they won't know what they were, right? Want. So there were a kind lot of like of, a time capsule. Exactly. So there were a lot of little things like that where people were learning to cope with a situation that was so dire that they couldn't even get their head around it. Mm-hmm. And they were able to find positive things. I think maybe that's why I liked this book. It's because it, sh- it showed the positive. It, it showed the good in humanity and the good possibilities for for a really bad situation. Now, it's not for everyone, clearly, because my husband and son thought I was completely out of my mind for choosing this book for a road trip. They were like, this is really boring. What are all these letters? Oh, my gosh. When's something going to (laughs) happen? So, yeah. Needless to say, we did not get very far in that book before I was completely vetoed and we listened to Jack Reacher again for the 50,000th freaking time. So... So, uh, once again, the name of the book was Station Eleven, and Emily St. John Mandel was the person who wrote it. 
And how would you rate it? It won the Arthur C. Clarke Award in 2015. And how would you rate it? I would say I would give it almost a four. So like 3.5 or 3.75? 3.9. 3.9? Yeah, because I really liked it. I think it's not for everybody. Mm-hmm. It's not for the action flick lover. Yeah. it's a. Com- it made me contemplate things. It made me think. And that's the kind of book, you know, it had some, it had a bit of romance in it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It had some things in it that book, books like this normally do not have, mm-hmm. which is why it won't be an action movie. Well, no. So. But I like books that th- make you think. I know. That make that's you contemplate. Why, that's why I have to go with almost a four. And on the second read, that's what brought me down hmm. after I listened to it the second time, because it's not very well there are parts of it that aren't very well organized. But the second time you listen to it, you were also trying to listen to it through your husband and your son's yes. eyes. And yeah. that kind of ruined it a little it did. bit for It you. ruined it for me. But I'm, I felt a really strong connection with it the first time I read it. In fact, I went out and bought two hard copies, one for myself and one for the library. Because I really felt that strong connection with the book. You know what? I got to give it at least a four. Okay. Well, it sounds like you really liked it. So. I did. I did. I really liked it. And for those of you who might be interested in reading something that's a little bit off the beaten path in in the pandemic genre, I think uh, Station Eleven might be it. Mm-hmm. Well, good. Well, now that I've done my two. So we've got two diseases. And what was yours? Mine was The Fireman by Joe Hill, which is actually Stephen King's son. Oh. Yeah, little, little connection there. A mini King. Yep. This was actually about an outbreak of a fungus that affects people, and it's called dragon scale. And it basically, the fungus is like, sets people on fire. It's like the fungus is burning, mm-hmm. and um, people just like spontaneously combust. So a, vir- <laughs> or a fungus that causes spontaneous human combustion. Right. And it's a fungus, and they think that the cause of it, they think that it's been around for a really long time, and it only comes up with greenhouse, with, um, what do they call it, global warming? Yeah. Because as the ice caps melt, it's trapped in the ice, and then the spores are released into the, into the air, and then it, you know, affects humans. It's almost like... Um, a parasite and humans are the host because it lives on their skin and in their organs mm-hmm. and everything. So it's a parasitic fungus. Ooh. Right. And it's called, like I said, dragon scale. And the book kind of starts after the outbreak already happens. Mm-hmm. And there's, there's people who aren't affected on it, who of course are in gear so that they don't catch it because they don't know what's causing it exactly. So and they're all hazmatted up trying to stay away hazmat, from people. That's what I, I couldn't think of the she word. She was doing the hand gestures yeah, was for like a full body suit. I don't know. Yeah. I'm, t- I'm tired. You know, I can't think. <laughs> my my words are slurred when I'm tired. And um, because they don't exactly know what it's causing it and because so many people have it and so many things are on fire from people spontaneously combusting and starting Grass fires and forest fires and, you know, Maine is basically in cinders now and so on and so forth. They're almost like in a state of martial law. 
Mm-hmm. And the healthy people are just basically just killing the people that have dragon scale because they don't understand it and they don't want to catch it. Mm-hmm. But what they don't realize is that what's happening is when the people spontaneously combust, that's how the spores are released back in the air and that's how people are catching it. So basically by killing them and making or making them spontaneously combust, they're affecting themselves instead of, you know. Solving the problem. Right. And it's, you know, (laughs) people panicking because they don't understand just like they do all over the place in real life. I mean, this was a, a really good book. It's about a nurse who she's actually a school teacher and she starts nursing at a hospital for infected people after the outbreak starts and she gets it at the same time that she finds out she finds out she's pregnant she gets the dragon scale and so she escapes from the people who want to kill her because she's infected into this camp with a bunch of other affected people and the affected people have learned how to live in harmony with the fungus so that they don't spontaneously combust. Mm-hmm. That's pretty cool. Right. So in, it it kind of makes you think, like, it's an outbreak, people are dying, but it kind of makes you think of somebody who has a disability instead of getting depressed and hating life, they're learning to live with it. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of like the same thing. If you live in harmony with the dragon scale, then you don't spontaneously combust. Yeah. And it just, I don't want to tell too much about the book because there's a lot of parts. Yeah. Actually, I read this book too. Yes. And it's just, it's a really good book and it shows a lot about how people turn to martial law and um, how they are cruel to each other. Mm Mm-hmm. I think that we're seeing a lot of a lot of the fear and panic um, in people in this political season as well. Mm -hmm. We're seeing a lot of that happen. We're Mm -hmm. seeing people who are like, yeah, I'm going to get my gun if so-and-so wins and I'm going to blah, blah, blah. (laughs) Mm -hmm. But if you think about it, there are a lot of the really cruel people who get together and go out and specifically look for people with dragon scales so they can kill them. Right. They call them, you know, what are they? Fire hunters or what are they? I don't remember. There was some kind of a, a club, a group. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Of, because of the Marble Vigilantes. Man was yes. part of it. Yeah. And they just go out and look for people who have them and just basically just shoot them. Mm-hmm. Which basically causes the fungus to spread more. Right. Which they don't realize because they're. Cause, because they just. They react before they give time they don't to think. figure it out. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And Be- there are signs right away in the beginning of the book that there are people who are learning to, to live with it and to deal with it. Right. Um, but people are sort of ignoring that because they're so freaked out. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Some people just don't like change. No. Right. Well, and it the, re- just, the it- reaction of people to change, I think a lot of the thinking that you have... That I had while I was, um, I almost said watching, while I was listening to it, you had that feeling like, like the craziness that was going on and and the panic. Right. Well, it's like martial law. It's like um, uh, what is it? The 
Lord of the Flies mentality where Mm -hmm. there has to be, you know, there's one who's telling everybody exactly what to do. And if you're bad, you have to hold a stone in your mouth. for. Well, see, and that happens in the camp, too, is the camp where they've learned to control the dragon scale. um, The person that takes over that camp as the leader becomes... Um, I would say infected by the power mm-hmm. that is brought on by the position and begins to be, be and becomes corrupted. Right. She becomes corrupt with the power. Not of it. with the disease, but with the power. With the, that's what I said. Corrupt yeah. With the power yeah. of everybody looking up to her and stuff, which actually there's been studies shown that that happens in real life. Well, we see it all around us. Well, right, because there was, um, what was that one study where they set up a fake prison? Oh, yeah, the one that in they the can't, college. You would never be able to duplicate it. Oh, God, no. It, no, it was no, highly no. illegal the way they did it. It happened right. in a college setting mm-hmm. where they made, they made one half of the class prisoners and the other half of the class the guards. The wardens. Uh-huh. And they put them in a setting that was supposed to replicate a prison. And pretty soon the guards started acting like guards and started being cruel to the prisoners mm-hmm. and, and punishing them and doing right. All and kinds it of didn't stuff. take it didn't take that long. No, the whole experiment only lasted like up like a month, month yeah. and a half, yeah. or and it was supposed to last longer. And they closed it down because the the people who were the prison guards were just out of control, and they were being so cruel to the prisoners mm-hmm. that they had to shut it down for you know humanitarian reasons, obviously. Right. Because they can't have that going on in a college. But it, it's just people. Power corrupts. Power corrupts a lot of people. And it, this also shows a lot of where people are afraid of what they don't understand. Mm-hmm. Whenever we have a new virus or a new epidemic come in, you know, like the Zika virus that just came. Everybody freaks panic, out. Panic, 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 panic. Yeah. yeah. Well, I think it's just human nature. Yeah. A fear of the unknown, fight yeah. or flight. Yeah. Right. But this just really kind of shows how extreme people can be who don't want to take the time to, tr- to understand it. The people who took the time to understand it can control it mm-hmm. and they can live with it. And it doesn't affect them like the people who don't understand it and panic and, you know, oh, my God, oh, my God. And then they, you know. Yeah, we're obviously not talking about fire. Zika now. We're talking about Dragon Scale. Well, right. <laughs> right. Dragon Scale. We've shifted back to Dragon Scale. <laughs> I, Zika was just a reference just yeah. because that's the latest thing that yeah, I think yeah, I've heard yeah. of. But and it's just it was a really good book and it showed a lot of human nature. And not everybody was horrible people. There were there were good people. Mm-hmm. You know, like they're the. There were actually a lot of good people. In some it. some of the main characters are on a journey trying to get to a new community that they can live in harmony with the dragon scale. And healthy people don't want to let them into their house or anything, but they're watching them. So they leave them food out by the road every day so that they can eat. And one of them's sick, so they leave antibiotics that they have in their house left over from something else. Right. So you see all sorts of little touches of human kindness and right and stuff as you go throughout the book. Mm-hmm. Right. Which is, you know, it's uplifting too, mm-hmm. yeah. to know that there are people out there that care and that will specifically make 
beef stew and leave it out for people even that though they, they can't don't interact even know. with the people who are ill. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I right. mean, that's, it's some cool stuff. Yeah, they know nothing about them, but yet they're leaving them, you know, antibiotics and crutches and food and, you know, all, you know, telling them where they can go to sleep. Right. There were, there like were definitely parts towards the end of the book where they were on their journey that were very... I mean, you're just starting to think, oh, people really are good. And of course, there's always a twist. Yeah. So what would both of you guys rate it? I think I would rate it a five. I liked it. I'm, I don't really like outbreak books that much. It's not mm-hmm. really my forte, but I did like this book. I, and, I, you know, dragons. I like the dragon scale. <laughs> when I first started reading it, I rolled my eyes so hard that I got a headache <laughs> because... <laughs> You have to suspend your disbelief. I mean, really, if you hear, if you you start reading it and it's about a fungus that causes spontaneous human combustion. Mm-hmm. Eye roll, eye roll, eye roll. Yeah, it is a little yeah, far-fetched. The very, very first beginning of it, I really struggled because I'm thinking, oh, man, Joe, what have you done, dude? But it did not take long. For me to suspend my disbelief because the writing was really very good. Yes, and the he story is a very was good writer. Fascinating. Mm-hmm. Um, and I will tell you right now that I bawled like a baby <laughs> at the end. And I've only done that with a handful of books, so it has to be a five for me. Yeah. Well, that's pretty awesome. Yeah. Yeah, it is very good. I would recommend it. Definitely. Yes. Well, we have a lot of uh, diseases causing these outbreaks because <clears throat> the one I actually read this week is called uh, The Scarlet Plague, and it's by Jack London. And it was written in 1912. It's actually a novella. It was first published in a magazine. Oh. Mm-hmm. So it was a pretty short read, and but it was just uh, fascinating the way he set everything up. And essentially, um, the story actually takes place in 2073. Really? Yes. Wow. And so uh, it's about a... Well, it kind of goes back in time. So um, this is supposed to be about maybe like 70 years after an outbreak. And essentially it's an old man and he's walking with his grandchildren and there's three or four of them. And it kind of uh, gives you a picture of what the world is like a little bit. And then they get to um, a beach and they're fishing, you know, trying to catch food or whatever. Mm -hmm. And the kids start like, like... They want him to explain to him, explain to them what the Scarlet Plague was. So then he just starts telling the story. Okay. And these children are um, brutish. Like they're very, um, essentially, he's telling the story about, uh, so it's a plague. They don't really know what causes the plague um, and it hit fast. So he's telling the story about uh, he was a professor um, in San Francisco, and that's mm-hmm. where the story takes place. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden, people started getting sick, and uh, they called it the Scarlet Plague because as they're getting sick, their face would start turning red, and they'd uh, within 15 minutes start convulsing and then proceed to die. Ooh. And he was saying how quickly people were catching this plague, and essentially it wiped out um, almost everybody on the entire planet. Um, wow. And so he like. In the book, they estimated that um, one in tens of thousands of people actually survived. And so he goes through like the plague starting and um, 
He said he was teaching a class and one of his students died in class. And then so all like just panic struck the university. Everyone left. And so he goes through like all the things he did to survive Mm -hmm. and how at first it was like a pretty large group of 100 people or so. And then eventually he was the only survivor and he lived for several years by himself. Um, And it's very interesting because it takes place in the future and he tells his kids about the, um, they know what cars are because they've seen them um, like abandoned and everything. He calls them sky, like sky cars. Oh, the airplane? Uh Yeah. And like saying, he was telling them last time um, he saw one, but these kids are just, because they've never grown up, they don't have any, I mean, there's so few survivors that he talks about, they have tribes now. So right now he's in the San Francisco tribe. There's a different name for it, I think, but essentially there's like, not very many of them in each tribe, but they're scattered all over the, like the U.S. Um, in big where big cities used to be, and so, uh, like, I mean, uh, they have to survive. So, and some of their parents weren't very educated already, um, and they were not very nice because what you have to do to survive. Right. So the kids didn't turn out very well is what you're trying no, to say. No, and they're very mean to their grandpa almost, and so as he like even as he's telling. The story and he it's very interesting because he's trying to explain to them how many people were on the earth and, and so they can't get it they don't understand so he tries to explain it by using the grain of sand on um like on the beach and then he starts like so, and so they're just then they're like why do you guys call it the scarlet plague and so he goes into that story and the kid starts telling him he's stupid because red is red and scarlet is not red red is red uh. And so he like uh, they don't they don't know how to count past ten, and so they basically they obviously don't go to school. They've lost. Oh no, there's nothing that left. Right. They they have to hunt uh, to get their food. Uh, in the they have shot a rabbit in the first part of the story. Um, they they get a lot of their food like oysters and stuff. And the grandpa talks about how he loves to eat that because he doesn't have teeth anymore. Mm-hmm. And he's the the oldest survivor at the time of like telling the story. I just love the the details he goes into about this book. Like it's stuff you don't really think about. And, and the I don't fact know. that it was written in 1913 that was before the flu wiped out all those people in 1919. Yeah, right. Mm-hmm. And so, so it's like it's fascinating. Just like I don't know. Just the I he doesn't. I wish almost. It was like an entire book. So it was, it was too short for your taste. Yeah, because I want to see like what the cities actually look like, like how I want to see in his mind, because to me, obviously they're crumbling. But then I also like he just talks about they couldn't bury all the bodies, you know, people just died. And then they tried to pile them up, but then all those people died. So it's just there's bodies when he left everywhere, like. So I kind of want to just see like what this city looks like. Yeah. And, but and you, it, it would be fascinating that we go from what we consider normal now with all of our modern technology mm-hmm. and our sky rises and cell phones and electricity and everything else to basically going all the way back to almost like living in the woods in the 1800s where, mm-hmm. you know, you basically learn what you have to to survive 
reading isn't important, so it's not really taught. Mm-hmm. Math isn't important, so it's not taught. You know, planning and hunting, that's what keeps you alive, so yeah. that's what they teach. I've I've actually never read any anything from Jack London, mm-hmm. so I very much enjoyed his writing. And mm-hmm. just, I don't, for such a short, I was expecting... Um, because I actually found it for free on Amazon, by the way. Mm-hmm. Just because of when it was written, you can um, get it for free on your Kindle. It was kind of depressing. It made it seem very real. And that's what I thought about, especially like with a, any disease. And that's actually what's terrifying. Because that's kind of why we chose outbreaks this right. week is because it's Hall- like Halloween's in a couple days. Yeah. Or, and mm-hmm. so what actually scares people? And yes. outbreaks is one and, of them. And death on a mass scale, yeah, right. definitely and qualifies for that. What and would happen to the Earth if over half the population died? I, or that's you know, why so many fourth. books have been written about this subject because it. I mean, it just captures your imagination. You immediately mm-hmm. go into it's the same thing as the zombie deal. Oh my gosh, what would I do? Mm-hmm. Right. You start making lists in your mind of all the things you would have in your bag. You know, mm-hmm. all of the the little thing, you know, I, I would get I would grab duct tape. Well, you know, you can do anything with duct tape. Exactly. That would be one of my things, you know, duct tape, water bottles. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's really it's amazing. Or what skills you you have that you could use. I know what yours like would that be. happen. You can crochet. <laughs> I can crochet. I can make everyone. I'll trade you my blanket for some food. <laughs> you would be able to do all kinds of stuff with. That's a good skill mm-hmm. to have because that people don't have that skill anymore. Right. Mm-hmm. I'm a and knit. I'm teaching myself how to knit. I can garden. See, that's why we need to hook up. I'm a very good organizer, so I'll just boss everyone around. <laughs> I think we got a little community going right here now. We have our dictator that's yep. going to be, you know, sick with power. <laughs> I hope not. Just not me out. Not a stone in my mouth, just so you know. No. <laughs> that was one of the deals in the fireman. Yeah. Where the woman that was, you know, she, if you didn't do what she said, you had, you had to a keep stone a stone in your, in your mouth, mouth until, <laughs> until a certain point. And if you refuse to put the stone in your mouth, they'll hold you down, put the stone in your mouth, and then duct tape your mouth shut. Yeah. Yeah. Lovely. All right. So that was uh, The Scarlet Plague by Jack London. But this one Martha can help me out with. And it's called The Road by Cormac McCarthy. And we don't have to talk um, a whole lot about it. But it's also a movie. And this one, I just have to mention it because the scenery and the setting of it is what actually very much fascinated me. um, It's like The Scarlet Plague. Like I was wishing I could Mm -hmm. see more of the actual world. It's um, very, very short, just like the road. The yeah, just like the Jack London. It, thing it's was. actually a couple hundred pages. Yeah, but it's a couple not, hundred pages is short in comparison to the books we read. Yeah, yeah. But um, so it starts off. It's a father and son who are traveling this world, and they're going south because they don't. They know they can't survive the winter, and they have hardly any possessions at all, and um. It, it doesn't really exactly tell you what happened in this world, but it makes it seem like something nuclear happened. Right. There, there's a lot of scorched earth, um, a lot of ash. Ashes falling. Right. Everything's covered so in dirt. So it's not really an outbreak, but it has, it has the same outcome and the fear and the horror that you feel based on 
you know, when you're reading it, yeah, is the same. And there, it's a very lonely world because there's there are other people around, but there's not very many of them. And then you see it's because it, it takes place after whatever happens, and so they've already been traveling for a while, and so it kind of just picks up on this uh, story. And then the father, you start seeing him that he that he's sick. And so it doesn't really tell, but it's the effects of whatever, maybe a nuclear blast or See, something. I kind of got the idea that it was, like, I didn't, that's not what I came away with. I didn't come away with the nuclear thing. Really? No, I was kind of thinking more like an asteroid strike that caused, you know, fire to scorch mm -hmm. a great portion of the earth, which made everything die out, which was like a, a snowball mm -hmm. effect possibly. Um or, or something along those lines. But like I said, they don't tell you what it is. Yeah. And it's whatever you pick up from the context of the book. And I will tell you right now that I ran away from reading this book for years mm -hmm. because it's so depressing. And it I is knew very it was going to be depressing and I didn't want to read it and I was out of stuff to read. <laughs> Did it make you cry at the end? I felt such despair. I didn't yeah. cry. But... I felt such despair that I was like, oh, God, what did I read this for? Well, see, in any book that makes me have a feeling or any sort of emotion as strong as this one does, I, I love. Even though it's a, not a good emotion, it still makes you sit back and look at the world. And yeah. he just did a great job of describing like the survival. I mean, obviously, they're like foraging for food and people's like houses because none of the vegetation survived. And right. so it's just very interesting. Yes. It, it was brilliant. Mm -hmm. I hated it <laughs> because I don't like to feel that way. Yeah. I mean, I don't, I've got an, I've, I can look at despair everywhere in the world right now. All I have to do is turn on the news. I don't, when I'm reading, I don't want that. Mm -hmm. So that's my personality. I'm like, no, I, I like to pretend, you know, in the future stuff could happen. But I always need something good in there so that I can feel okay. Mm -hmm. This book was so depressing. God, it was there was nothing good in this book. Uh, but it was still a good at book. all. But it was so good. I hated it. I actually, you know, I didn't realize it until you started talking about the book. One Saturday when I was working at the library, there was um, a a younger gentleman who came in looking for books, mm -hmm. and he started talking to me about. Apocalyptic books. Apocalyptic. Apocalyptic. I can't say that word. That's okay. That's End okay. of the world type of books. There you go. And he was telling me about that and told me I needed to read it. It's, 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 it's a classic book. It really is. I would wait till like a day you're in a really good mood to read it. Yeah. Because if you're depressed, it's just going to make it worse. Yeah. Or what, what if it, I just want a day that I want to be depressed? Then, then you, you should there's read it. some people that enjoy watching sad movies so they can cry. This would be one of those. Mm-hmm. <laughs> But I'm it not is, one of those people. I don't know. No. It's kind of, it's heart wrenching because in the very start of the book, they tell you that uh, the little boy, because it's a, a man and his son, well, mm -hmm. it kind of explains to you that at the, uh, whenever the outbreak or whatever happened started, that it was a man and his wife who was pregnant. Well, she had a child while all of this was going on and, um, and then she committed suicide. So that. The, he's always talking about, like, 
his like you know his mom's not here because she couldn't handle the world anymore so that's like the start yeah, of the, the book the whole thing is just so depressing it is mm. it's not a book for depressive individuals i yeah. can tell you that for nothing but <laughs> well, i know that the the gentleman who came in and he was probably only about 14 or 15 i mean he was he was a young man. pretty young yeah. Yeah. and um he loved it yeah and there's a movie too but i don't think i've seen it so i don't know if i can i stayed I away from it because i knew it was going to be yeah. the same thing you know everybody has their thing that they like to read mm-hmm. but i read this because well for a couple of reasons the biggest of which was the fact that so many people talk about it being a classic novel and the lists all have it yeah and you know how i am about the damn list <laughs> you have to read what's on the list i've got to see what's on i've got to see what's so good about it and you are absolutely right nicole it was brilliantly written mm-hmm. not very long but in this case i'm glad because i was done mm-hmm. by the mm-hmm. time i got to the end of it ah yeah but um, Bleak is how I would describe <laughs> it. Was bleak. That one's called uh, "The Road" by Cormac McCarthy. Wow, we mm-hmm. ended on a down note, didn't we? We did. This has been kind of a depressing it's a downer. This was it's a real a, downer. A depressing we should... podcast. We we need more coffee before we started okay, this podcast. So let's talk about something fun. What do we got coming up? Anything good in in the coming week that we have? Um, in the next couple of weeks, we're going to talk about some of our absolute favorite books ever. Yes. And some new ones we've read recently because I have a backlog here, people. You know how many books I read in a week. Can you read some for me, please? <laughs> <laughs> I don't have enough time in the day. Well, I... I've been reading and reading and reading. The whole time we've been doing all this horror stuff, mm-hmm. I've been reading other books, too. So I have a <laughs> backlog of stuff that I need to talk about uh, in the coming weeks. So we'll talk about some of our favorites, too. But. Yeah. I have a backlog of books that I need to read because remember how I told you I was waiting and waiting yes, for all my stuff to come in. The library is well, a they all came in at one time. <laughs> all of my books that I've been waiting on since July all came in in the same week. Ugh, so now I've been, you know, earbud in my ear yeah. all the time, which just like me, yeah, trying to. <laughs> trying well, to catch up. I've had to, you know. My latest Ken Follick book that I've been reading in my car, I had to put that on hold so that I could catch up on my other stuff before they I run out of time. So Ken Follett had to take a back seat. Oh, poor Ken. <laughs> I'm sure he'll survive. Yeah, I, there are some really good books out there, people. We've got, I've got some really, really they good are. ones in my back pocket ready for the next few weeks. I'm going to have to step up my game. Come on, Nicole. <laughs> you Get can busy. do it. You Nicole's, can do it. Nicole's into heavy into sports season. The Thunder are getting ready to roll, yes. and Nicole's right <laughs> along with them. And as for the rest of us, you know, if I still lived in Wyoming, I'd be reading because it's cold outside. And mm-hmm. I think because I grew up there and I've lived there, lived there so much of my life. As soon as the season begins to change, even though it's still eighty degrees outside here in Oklahoma, I go into the hibernation mode. Yeah, yeah. And I want to sit on my couch with a blanket and read a book and drink tea, even though it's 80 degrees outside. Well, that's when you just crank the air conditioner down so that it feels like it's 60. <laughs> I want to bake cookies and drink hot chocolate. No snowman for me, though. See, my favorite time to read is when it's actually like 78 degrees outside and the grass is green and I can just go lay out there. But in Oklahoma, you can't lay in the grass because you get fleas. Or chiggers. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. But in Reno, you could just go lay in the grass. It was yeah. cool. Mm. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm a winter reader. I like yeah. to... I like to read all the time, but especially 
when it's cold outside. Mm-hmm. Now, see, when I'm crocheting, I can stick a book in my ear and I can crochet and read and listen to my book at the same time because, you know, I don't have to think to crochet so I can concentrate on my book. Mm-hmm. Yep. It's a good pastime. It's a good pastime during sports season when my son is watching football all the time. <laughs> yeah, there you go. So we're going to have all kinds of good stuff to talk about next week and some favorites as well. Starting next month, we'll have some favorites. And I guess we can put the uh, outbreak. I think we've had our vaccinations against a toxic fungus. I think think we've all learned how to live in harmony with our outbreaks. (laughs) (laughs) Still got a little bit of frog. A frog in my throat here. <laughs> is that Captain Trips over there? Yeah, Captain Trips has got me by the arm. I think that's going to do it for Outbreaks. It is... Three, three Book, book girls. girls. 